0: I feel safe in here. I've got some friends in here. Uh, I got a few friends in here, but I do have some guests. I want to mention some guests here. Uh, I thought I saw Elder Sam Ransom come in, and he's way over there for some reason. Can you stand up? What are you doing over there? (laughs) Many of you may know who he is. He's been around here for a long time. Mikkel Davis is my cousin. There she is. David Anderson is my neighbor. Kim Foley, I saw her. Yeah, there you are. That's Kim Foley. She's my friend too. Don always introduces you as her friend, but she got you first, but you and I are friends too, aren't we? Yeah, that's Kim Foley. They went to school together at SC, where LeBron's son is going to go. They've been playing basketball around town. I don't know if you heard about it. I didn't see Andrea Garcia. I don't know if she made it. Did she make it in here? And her daughter? Okay. Well, they work with Dawn in Try My Tea. If they're in here, we want to welcome them. And Breanne Murphy also works in Try My Tea, a more debonair gentleman you will never find. And so we welcome all of them. And of course, we're so excited about the people who are joining us online. This is a time, I know Satan means all these things for evil, but we can now preach the gospel around the world. And I've got some good news and some bad news. That's an exciting thing. But that suggests to me that time is running out. So you might want to get your house in order. Um, okay, I've got a message that's not for everybody. I've only got a message for anybody who's going through something. So if that's not you, pray for the rest of us. There are, one would think that there are only two kinds of people. Um, that's people who have just come out of difficulty, who are praising God for their deliverance and other people who are going into or in the midst of trouble who need God. That's what I want to talk about. I I, I know there's this phrase that many of us recite in our prayers, and I find it extremely profound, but I don't want it to become a slogan. I want you to think about it. Here's what we say. God, we say yes to your will. Don't we say this? And we say yes to your way. I wonder how sincerely we want to commit ourselves to God's ways when we don't understand or agree with what God seems to be doing. Do you always agree with what God is doing? And you say yes anyway. That's what you, is that your declaration? OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you a little bit today then. In life, you all know how I do this, don't you? Are you used to me by now? Yeah. I'm, I disturb the comfortable, and I comfort the disturbed. I think that's my job. In life, we find ourselves in situations where things are not working out. In fact, sometimes it seems like we're not going to make it. Some of you may be in here now, and some of you may be looking as good as you're looking, but you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I remember a time a pastor was preaching, and uh, he stopped preaching, and he said, somebody in here is about to take their life. Don't do it. And a guy way in the back jumped up and ran to the altar. You never know what people are going through based on how they look. You don't know for sure. So disaster, for some of us, almost seems a certainty in the natural, and we pray for God to deliver us, don't we? I love the songs they sang today. Because the situation looks so desperate and so bad, when God does deliver us, folks call that a miracle. That's what they call a miracle. Nobody could see it coming but God. But let me tell you how God sees things. When God does what God says, God doesn't call those miracles. God calls those facts, that's a fact. So when, when, when God said, let there be life, uh, light, light didn't exist when he said it, but it was a fact because he said it. Last week, if you were able to be with us, Dr. Wilfred Graves, uh, Graves preached about an atmosphere for miracles. And Dr. Graves made this point, and I agree with him, in his perfect timing. God will deliver us who love Jesus out of trouble and into a glorious and blessed place in him. We know that God is still in the miracle working business. When I heard Dr. Gray's preach about miracles last week, I run, wanted to run around the church. Y'all have never seen me run around this church, have you? Well, one day you might. I know Chaz does it. He jumped from here to there and went out there. Were you here? You saw him? Okay. Um, Dr. Graves preached. Let me tell you what he was preaching about. When he talked about an atmosphere for miracles, he was preaching about the what. About the what. Yes, God can and will perform miracles in your life to, de- to deliver you out of any tribulation that you may be facing. That's the what. What? so today I want to preach about the why he preached about the what I'm preaching about the why about the distance between God's promise to deliver a miracle to you and the fulfillment of that promise why there is or at least there seems like there is because I'm not even sure this is true it seems like there's a time gap maybe of days months or even years between God's miraculous promise to meet the needs of his people and the fulfillment of that promise. Why is that? Why aren't we who love Jesus already delivered? Why must God's children go through tribulation? It's getting quiet in here already. Well, I believe there's a reason, and God is up to something, and I think I'll call this sermon, Why God Allows Us, to suffer. Yeah, it's going to be a little tough. Why God allows us to suffer. You've already heard the scripture for our message today. If you, Well, you did if you arrived in church on time. It was, it was read at the very beginning of the service, so maybe all of you didn't hear it, but I hope most of you did. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body. The dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh in this translation the author of the book of second Corinthians is the Apostle Paul one of my favorite characters in the Bible and I do call him a character. <laughs> Clearly, Paul is writing to believers. And part of Paul's message to believers of his day, which is also the same message to believers today, is that people who love Jesus living in the world are going to suffer. Of course, Paul is also making the same point, a different point, that with God's help, we are going to make it so let's look at his authority to talk about that kind of subject Paul knew a little bit about suffering for the sake of the gospel after all he was the one who had the thorn in the flesh some form of physical disability the Bible doesn't tell us what it is but there are people who spend time speculating on it it doesn't matter it could be the disability that you're dealing with right now in your flesh or someplace else Paul prayed to God to heal him, and God did not. My goodness. Didn't heal him. Instead of healing Paul, God told him, my grace is sufficient. What if God told you that? Paul came to realize that God's strength was made perfect in Paul's weakness. Isn't that kind of scary? God wants you weak on purpose. Well, let me, that's not in my notes. Let me stay where I'm supposed to be. And so Paul, disabled in some way, preached all over the known world. And he was stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, arrested for preaching the gospel, and finally, it is believed, martyred for his faith. Yes, Paul knew something about suffering for the sake of the gospel, but you're saying, well, that's Paul. Why do I have to go through suffering? I'm saved. I love the Lord. Why do I have to go through tribulation? And for how long do I have to go through it? It's been a long time. I'm praying for God to get me out of this thing. Why isn't God answering my prayer? Who said he's not answering your prayer? Well, let me go on to what you say. Since I'm saved and God loves me and God wants only the best for me, why do I need to suffer at any time and for any reason? Why does God allow it? Does God really love me? Well, let's clear up one point. Even though you are going through challenges in your life, and you may be doing so, and even though you may be suffering right now as you sit in this room or as you watch me, uh, wherever you're watching me, I need you to know that God loves you. Amen. He loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and even if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, not yet, Mother King. Yeah, not yet. God loves you. He does. I want to take my time on this little section here. I want to share three things you need to know about God's love. Three th- I don't know, are you all note takers? Does anybody take notes? This is that kind of message, okay. I'm gonna share three things you need to know about God's love. The first thing you need to know about God's love is this. If you are not saved, God loves you enough that he made salvation available to you. He loves you that much. And you need to accept God's offer of salvation. I'm going to walk you through something. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then let me tell you where you are. You're living in your sins and at the risk of eternal damnation. Yeah, you say, I don't like that. I hope not. I hope I scare the hell out of you. God loves you enough that he offered his son Jesus who lived a sinless life and died an innocent death in your place so that the price of your sin debt could be paid in full. The verse for this, of course, is John three sixteen. Everybody knows it. I don't know why everybody isn't saved if they know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You should know another verse too, a different one. How do you accept God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ? That's Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for the heart. Man believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, if you're not saved, God loves you enough to save you. That's one. The second thing you need to know about God's love is this. If you are saved, God, who loves you enough to save you, loves you enough to keep you. God's in the saving and the keeping business. God did not save you from the consequences of your sin at the extreme cost of the life of his dear son in order to lose you now that you belong to him. That doesn't even make sense to me. He wouldn't have gone to the trouble. When he saved you, he wanted you. Yeah, and he's trying to hold on to you, but he's trying to get a little cooperation from you. The prophet Isaiah wrote about this. This is Old Testament stuff. Some of you read the New Testament. I'm glad they don't have those New Testament Bibles anymore. Why do you want half the story? None of this is in my notes. (laughs) If you sell New Testament Bibles, I'll pray for you. I I don't know why you call it a Bible. It's not not the whole word of God. Okay, I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 41, you'll find in part of verse 9 and verse 10, this. This is God talking. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So. If you're saved, God, who loves you enough to save you, loves you enough to keep you. Now, this is the third thing you need to know about God's love. If you are saved, God, who loves you enough to save you, and who loves you enough to keep you, loves you enough to deliver you out of trouble. He's in the saving, keeping, and delivering business. Yeah. Why would you give all your stuff to a moving company that's taking it out of your old house but won't deliver it to the new house? There's a name for people like that, crooks. (laughs) Yeah, God's not a crook. God's not stealing. Let me tell you to look at Psalm 91. Now, when I preach, I kind of put you in the Bible because you might argue with me, but I'd rather you be arguing with God. That's an argument you will certainly lose. Psalm 91, verses 14 and 15, God promises to deliver his children out of trouble. And here's what he says. Because he has set his love upon me. This is God talking. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. That's God talking. So, God who loves you enough to save you, who loves you enough to keep you, also loves you enough to deliver you out of trouble. I have to turn the page, and now we're coming to the hard part. If God loves us enough to save us, to keep us, and to deliver us out of trouble, then why are we still going through tribulation in this world? Why doesn't God just keep us out of trouble? Is trouble an essential part of this walk with God? You know what a rhetorical question is? (laughs) Um, And even if I do have to go through tribulation, why hasn't God delivered us or me by now? So I think I know the answer to those questions also, but I don't think you're going to like it. Let me tell you what that's all about. God also loves you enough to conform you to the image of his dear son. He likes the way you look, but he's trying to make you look better. And that takes some effort on his part. God wants you to remind him of Jesus. And this is how he is remaking you to do that. God lets you endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. I say for the sake of the gospel because people on this world are going to suffer anyway, but at least it might, might as well be for some good. If you're going to suffer anyway, why don't you accept Jesus? Yeah. So let's unpack this. I want to unpack this. Salvation, of course, has three aspects, and you've heard many preachers, including that great preacher over there, tell you about this, but I have to repeat it for the sake of completeness. Okay? Three aspects of salvation. First, when you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're saved from the penalty Of your sin that's called justification now I sound if I sound like a lawyer I apologize it is a transaction justification in which Jesus takes your place and pays your sin debt so you can take Jesus's place and stand in his righteousness so you're justified now you're standing in the place that you have no right to stand in in the merits of Jesus Christ So, if you've been justified, you're saved, but you're still here. Now you need to be saved from the power of sin. That's called sanctification. You're being set apart by God. Eventually, say eventually. Yeah, eventually you will be ushered out of this life and into the next where you will spend life eternally with God. This is where you will be saved even from the very presence of sin. This is called glorification. None of God's children will be suffering there or then. That's when all of God's children can truly rest in God. But let me go back to sanctification. Here's the problem. If you have lived any amount of time and paid attention, you understand that just being saved does not spare you from suffering. As long as you are in this world, as saved as you are, you're still going to suffer. So why do we who love Jesus and are saved still suffer in this world? Why does God allow this to happen to us? Why do God's children whom God loves with an everlasting love go through tribulation? Is something wrong with us? Is God punishing us. I know I don't want to suffer because it hurts to suffer. I don't like to hurt. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be poor to lack. I don't want to be in trouble, especially when I think it's not my fault that bad things are happening to me. It bothers me when I'm suffering and I don't think it's my fault. I see my friend Earl over there. Certainly, I don't want people to see me suffer. You know how people are, not you. Not you, we're talking about other people. They see you suffering and they put their mouth on you. Like Job's so-called friends did back in the day. Look at John. I know he used to be a big time attorney. Yeah, child, he lost that fancy job, fired. And they foreclosed on his house, had a big old house, lost it. I hear he has family problems. And he doesn't look well. I know, he's supposed to be some kind of preacher. Well, he's messed up now. I wonder what he did to fall into such a terrible state. I knew he was going to end up like this. They all do. It's just a matter of time. Dismissed in 15 seconds because I look like I'm having a problem. So I fake it. And I don't even get the support of my friends because I know if my friends found out I was in trouble, half of them wouldn't be my friends anymore. I hate rejection. Yeah, I hate it. You know, isn't it funny how everyone is quick to pass judgment on you when you're going through tribulation? But they always have an excuse for themselves when they're having problems. What's that all about, doctor? Why can't you give me the grace you give yourself? So you begin to wonder, don't you? You might even begin to wonder whether or not all the trouble you're going through now will work out in your favor. Maybe you think salvation is not worth it if you still have to suffer in this life. That maybe you did commit some terrible sin and God has abandoned you. Maybe everyone is right about you. I say this, don't listen to people talk to God. Don't listen to people. God will never leave you. God will not forsake you, and God will deliver you. Salvation is still a great deal, even though we must suffer now. The sufferings of this present time may be real, but they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And God is up to something. I believe we can glory in our tribulations that God allows because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. That's in Romans chapter 5, but I need to help you with something. Some of you may not know a Greek word that I think you should know. The Greek word for hope in the verses that I just read doesn't mean that we wish or dream that things are going to work out in our favor. It's Elpis, Elpis, E-L-P-I-S spelled with English word. A joyful and confident expectation. We're not crossing our fingers, you know. We have an expectation that's joyful and confident. And that's the kind of hope that does not make us ashamed. I know you don't like this. I'm almost done, somebody. Okay, okay I'm, I'm almost done. Suffering in the will of God has a purpose. God is up to something. God is not just working on your situation. God is working on you. Yeah, he, 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 he's not nearly as concerned about your situation as you are. He's actually more concerned about you. God is drawing you closer to himself. God is sanctifying you. God knows you will never be fully sanctified without suffering. You'll never be close enough to God in this life, as close to God as God wants you to be, unless you endure suffering. Now I have seven ways. Can I do this? Brother Williams? Okay, seven ways in which God is using suffering in our lives to sanctify us, to draw us closer to himself. Here's the first way. You already heard about this one. God uses our suffering to grow us in Christ's likeness Jesus was willing to suffer for our sakes. He wasn't only willing to die. Did you know suffering and death are not the same thing? He probably could have said, okay, you can put me on the cross, but don't spit on me. You must not know who I am. Don't, don't, don't throw that thing on my head. I'll, I'll hang on the cross, but don't do that. Don't beat me. No, he died and he suffered for you, for you, and he didn't have to. He could could have said, okay, this is enough. I've had it, okay, but he didn't do that, so he did that, and we need to now suffer because suffering as God conforms us to the image of Christ is God's will. This helps us. I'm gonna just look down. I don't want you to see me looking at you. This helps us to grow up in the things of Christ and not be spiritual babies all the time. I know everybody cries about some things, but babies cry about everything. Is that the difference? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you gotta grow up now. Don't cry about everything. Okay, you didn't like it. You don't have to cry. Why am I looking at you? (laughs) Spiritual babies. Christ endured suffering on the cross, despising the shame. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 2. We need to endure suffering and not be ashamed that we are going through something. Others may look down on us because we're going through tribulation. That's how people roll. God looks at us with love because we endure hardship as a good soldier. This is so hard. I don't know. What is it that you don't know about? You don't want to be saved? Oh, yeah, I want to be saved. Well, you, you don't. No, but I don't know. Can God just take this off of me? Let me give you the second thing. I said seven things. Oh, I need to finish that thought, though. If you don't complain all the time and you endure suffering, that's how you remind God the Father of His Son, Jesus. Instead of complaining about what we're going through, we should praise God that God is carrying us through. Yeah, so, so let's move on. Number two, God uses our suffering to cause us to put our focus on our God rather than on our problems. The focus should be on God, not your problems. If we did not have problems in our new lives in Christ, we might forget that God is still in the problem-solving business. We need to know with personal experience that our Lord is the God of all flesh and nothing is too hard for him. You've been clapping at everything I say. I think you are you getting something? All right. I'm going to go on a little further with this thing then. She has encouraged me. Number three, God uses our suffering to clearly reveal that God is carrying us through. We are not making it on our own. We might think we're getting the job done on our own when we're on top because we are on top and it seems like we don't need help. But actually, at all times, it's God who's keeping us sustaining us, and delivering us. And you don't know that because God doesn't take breaks. If God took a 15-minute break, everyone would be dead. That's how long it would take you to realize that God is in control. Okay? Times of suffering make us realize that it is in God we live. It's in God that we move, and it's in God that we have our very being. That's three. I got four more to go. God uses our suffering, this number four, to show us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We actually can endure whatever God allows to come against us. We can endure more than we think, and here's how I can prove that scientifically. Because if you didn't, if you could not endure it, God wouldn't allow it because God's not trying to kill you. God is trying to strengthen you. If God wanted to kill you, he'd just leave you alone. you kill yourself. Yeah, he doesn't have to waste the time. You can't take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, no, that's not in my notes. Okay, let me move on. Number five, God uses our suffering to build our relationship with and dependence on God. Periods of tribulation that we endure through God's grace give us a track record of God's keeping power. As we confront new storms, we can remind ourselves, God brought me through this. He's going to take me through that. Yeah, if I could get through that one. I'm going to get through this one. A doctor gave me some real bad news, Dr. Owens, one time. I don't even know if he's still alive. But I know I am. (laughs) Yeah, I know I am. Number six, two more. Our suffering and God's deliverance provide us with testimony of God's delivering power. We need to bless the Lord at all times. His praise should continually be in our mouths, but especially at times when we're going through something because this is when our praise of our God really gets people's attention. Everybody can be happy when you're on top, but what's she talking about? She doesn't even have any place to live. I don't know if you know this, but most of the hymns you love so much were written by people who were really having a problem. You should check that out. And they didn't write hymns about their problems. They wrote hymns about their God. See, if y'all let me sing, I'll sing one of those hymns one time. Oh, okay. Number seven, this is the last one. God uses our suffering to put the picture of our lives, particularly our new lives in Christ, in the proper perspective. That's number seven. Certainly, God brings miracles into our lives, but I need you to know this. We are God's greatest miracle. We are God's greatest miracle. We're God's highest creation. We're God's last and crowning achievement. We are the apple of God's eye, and God has big plans for us. Yeah, he has big plans. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us and there's plenty of power in us because we love Jesus Christ in us is the hope of glory if you love him he's in you and you got hope God has given his very best for us he created us to spend eternity in loving relationship with him most of all God wants to get maximum glory out of our lives he wants us to be saved delivered and set free. He intends all things to work together for good. Our good and his glory. No matter what it looks like, no matter what anybody is saying, haters or anybody else, and even no matter how you feel, God is in control. He will deliver you. So keep your confident expectation in him. Do not trust what you see. Trust what God says, and here's what God says. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I trust God to keep me through every storm. I trust God to walk with me through every tribulation, to carry me safely to the other side. If you love Jesus, you're already set up for victory, no matter what your situation looks like. I need you to know that this thing is a setup. Your enemies may have you surrounded. They may think they're gathering for your ultimate demise, but the joke's on them. They are gathering at a banquet table, but they don't get to eat. The banquet is for you to feast. God only invited them to watch. Yeah, they don't get to eat. Let's end it this way. I want to go where Brother Jude took us. I think he sums up God's saving, keeping, and delivering power. Here's what Brother Jude said. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory, majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Please rest on your feet. I don't know if you know what amen means and it is so in the black community. show enough, that's the last word on this thing. So you're going to go through suffering. The operative word is not suffering. The operative word is through. You're going to go through it. But somebody's asking one last question. What can God do for me now? I'm in the middle of something. Can God talk to me right now? What is he going to tell me? I'll tell you what he's going to tell you. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. You say, well, is there any proof about how good he can keep somebody? Well, he kept Jesus when Jesus was, did he die? Yeah, he commended his spirit into God's hands. And God said, okay, I got you. Brought him back from the dead. So he can keep you. Somebody out there needs to receive this kind of keeping power. Can the altar workers take your places? I know, that, I know that there are people who just barely got here today. Maybe people who were wondering, should I even come today? I'm going to make an unusual altar call because there's so many different kinds of people out in the world today, but everybody suffers. So if you are suffering, if you need God to speak to you and to touch you in your situation, I need you to come down here. Suffering, any kind. You don't have to tell me what it is, just anything. Whatever you're going through, you can't, you don't know if you're gonna make it. You might not even make it till tomorrow. Well, you are gonna make it if you come down here right now. God is gonna help you. Come down here, everybody. There's plenty of room down here. Anybody who's suffering, come this way. Meet God at this altar. Why suffer on your own? Why suffer alone? Why suffer in silence? People have let you down, but that's not God. God is not gonna let you down. He's the God of all flesh, nothing too hard for him. Whoever you are, come this way. There's plenty of room down here. Come this way, you're suffering. Join us at this altar. Look at him, look at him coming. You can come from up there, I got time. Come from up there, I see some coming. Wherever you are, come this way got plenty of time, come on come this way come this way physical problems relational problems emotional problems depression got bad news from a doctor how am I going to make it where you're not going to make it by yourself you got to make it with God, come this way we got time We got time. Come on. I see more people coming. Come this way. Saints are praying. Pray for these people. Come this way. Come this way. You need to come this way. You've been going through so much. You don't know what's gonna happen next, but I can tell you this. God knows. God has you. Let's, let's pray. Let's offer up a prayer for these who have come down. God, these are your people. You made them. You know what they're going through. You know how hard it is for them to put one foot in front of the other so many things coming up against them. One of these things might even have felt like the last straw. But if they would just trust you, they'll never be a last straw. You're always able to move in any circumstance. So we commit it to you. Whatever they're going through. We're not looking at them. We're looking at you. They don't need us. They need you. And you have promised them that you'd never leave them. You never forsake them. You be to them all that they need. Somebody once said, you never know if Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Yeah, he's enough. He's enough. If you got Jesus, you got enough. So we thank you for these who have come down. Meet them at the point of their need. This is our prayer in Jesus name amen now don't leave from here stay where you are don't leave from here stay where you are i have a different invitation for somebody else you may not all be saved in here if you're not saved that's point number one you got to be saved you need help it's bad enough to go through the life that we're going through don't go through it with no jesus don't leave here if you haven't accepted jesus you need to accept jesus is there anyone who needs Jesus and has never accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? By the raised hand, I'd like to know who you are. Is there anybody who has not accepted Jesus? I see somebody with a hand up already down here. Is there anybody else? Anybody who has not accepted Jesus in the pardon of your sins, you need him. You need him. There may be more, but I tell you what, let's all pray. Pray this prayer after I pray it. Dear God, I'm standing in front of you and I know I need you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that is going to be my solution. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. Forgive me for the wrong that I have did. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that, God, you raised him from the dead. Come into my heart, Jesus. Make me over into your son's image. Bless me. Take me on from here. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for delivering me. In Jesus' name. Let's celebrate with people who have just accepted Jesus If you prayed that prayer and believed it in your heart, you're saved Now, people who have accepted Jesus for the first time, I need you to stay down here If you don't have a church home and you need a church home, I need you to stay down here If you want this to be your church home, don't leave now Now the last thing, even if none of that's true in your case If you just want somebody to pray for you before you leave this church, stay down here Okay? I need you. Raise your hand. Okay, see him? See them? Those two? Okay. If you've come for salvation, if you've come for deliverance and prayer, if you come for church membership, follow those two elders out there. There's a place where we want to get some information from you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for answering God's prayer. God wants you saved. That's his prayer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you so much.